podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router. And any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. Good boys and girls, two footed podcast. Today is Monday, July the 3rd. Hope you're all well. Hope you all had a pleasant weekend. Hope you all had time with the families and whatever it is you wanted to do. Go out and get blind drunk, get sick on yourselves, sleep behind a sofa, sleep in a ditch. Whatever it is, I hope you did and had fun doing it. I had a great weekend. Liverpool signed Dominic Zabozlai and there was loads of GAA on, so it was just tremendous. There was also European football on. The under-21 European Championships, the quarterfinals took place over the weekend, and we had some surprising results. So Israel defeated Georgia on penalties. 
after a nil-nil draw. So Georgia, the remaining host, are gone. Israel move forward to the semi-finals. And they will face England, who beat Portugal 1-0 with Anthony Gordon scoring the only goal of the game. England now look like strong favourites to win this competition, in my opinion. In the other semi-final, we will, we have Spain, who beat Switzerland 2-1. Uh, Sergio, Sergio Gomez of Manchester City scored the opening goal of the game to put Spain 1-up. Switzerland equalised in the last minute to force extra time. And then Miranda, the left-back from Real Betis, scored to send Spain through to the semi-final, where they will face Ukraine. And this was the big shock of the weekend. France had been favourites to win the competition, but the injury to Manu Kone was a massive blow. And obviously Michael Elise got injured as well. He hadn't been starting, but I think was going to play a big role moving forward. But France go out 3-1 to Ukraine. Ryan Cherky put them 1-0 up on 19 minutes. Sudikov equalised from the penalty spot on 32. Sudikov then put them 2-1 up on 44. And then Bondarenko with the third goal on 86 minutes to confirm Ukraine as winners and put them into the semi-final against Spain. So Israel-England, Spain against Ukraine. I think England-Spain is what most people will be expecting. But Ukraine, by all accounts, have been very good so far. I haven't watched every game. I've only seen the highlights of the game against France last night. They looked impressive. They looked like a really well-coached team. Oftentimes with under-21 groups in particular, or any any underage national team, because of the age limitations and the fact that players often get plucked out of one age group to play in another, oftentimes you'll see under-21 players plucked to go and play with the senior national team. Coaches have to adapt quite quickly. And you'll often see a team that looks a little bit chaotic, like they don't know each other very very well. Most times because they don't know each other very well, because they've got minimal experience playing together. But this Ukrainian team looked like a proper team. And they play with a real purpose. They've got an actual style and identity to themselves. Whereas some of the other teams I've seen, including England, it often looks like they're relying heavily on talent. Like the Portugal game, for example, I wasn't hugely impressed by England. I thought there were large spells of that game where it looked like a group of individuals trying to play as a team rather than a team. And they got a little bit lucky at times. If Arejo's header is three inches lower, it's 1-1. We're heading for extra time. And who knows what happens from there. The England team, though, when you look at it, like there's so much talent there. Trafford's a decent goalkeeper. Aaron's, Harwood Bellis, Colwell, Garner, Jones, Ramsey, Gibbs White. They're all super talented players. Gordon, he's pacey and he's been pretty effective in the tournament. 
Muriaki looks pretty good playing in this tournament. There's no out and out goal scorer in that team. But the one who has really impressed me, and I'm I'm really happy to see him doing so well, is young Angel Gomes. Formerly of Manchester United, who didn't quite make the grade there. I, I assume because he's quite little. He's only five six. He's a little bit on the slight side. But I know United fans that follow their academy very closely, and they were devastated when he left because they genuinely thought he had a chance to be something special. He left United in 2020, moved to Lille, took a little bit of time to get going there. They sent him out on loan initially to Boa Vista. He excelled in the Portuguese league in that season. He was really good for Boa Vista. His first season with Lille was very up and down. But this past season, in a Lille team that were a little bit chaotic, I thought he was excellent. They finished fifth in the league. I think he had a strong case for being their best player across the course of the season. Now, it helped that the team was not set up for him, but it was set up to play in a way that benefited him. With Benjamin Andre as a ball winner, with the likes of you know Remy Kabbalah, very experienced, Andre Gomes, very experienced, players that don't take a whole lot out of the ball, I thought Angel Gomes was able to really establish himself and show what he was capable of as a facilitator of others, as a creative force. And obviously with Jonathan David in great form, he had a point of reference in attack. Now, there's a lot of talent in that uh, Lille team. More, I think, than we saw last season. And I would expect to see them continue to improve. I think they've got work to do on their defence and obviously they'll probably have to replace Jonathan David because he's almost certainly leaving. But young Lenny Euro, the centre-back, he's the other one to keep an eye on. I could see Angel Gomes, maybe not this summer, but next summer, coming back to the Premier League. Not necessarily one of the elite level teams, but I think a smart club could take a chance on him. A Brighton, a Brentford, maybe a Fulham. I think they could take a chance on him, bring him back to the Premier League, and I think he could do quite well. Um, the other one, like I say, to keep an eye on there is is Lenny Euro, the, the young centre-back, 17, and was really, really good when he got his opportunities last season. Thiago Jallo is another good young centre-back. He's 23, maybe. He's been knocking around a while. Um, came through Sporting's academy, was at Milan for a brief while, and... Um, Lille got him in, I want to say Lille got him in the Raphael Liao deal. It might have been that they did them as separate deals, but I'm almost certain it was the same, it was the same time, um, which was interesting because they'd come through sporting together and were quite good friends and then got moved for each other. But Liao obviously was the big prize at the time. Anyway, I'm rambling. Israel versus England. And Spain versus Ukraine. Those games take place on Wednesday. England, Ukraine, uh, England, Israel is the first game. I'll be curious to see what kind of attendances are at these games because it hasn't been getting huge numbers in terms of fans in the stands. Italy, France, 
did over 11,000. The rest of the games in that group were in, a, you know, 1,000, 2,000. There was one game that got 4,000, but that was it. Um, Czech Republic, England got decent numbers. England, Germany got decent numbers. Romania were getting good numbers as hosts, and obviously Georgia have gotten great numbers as hosts, but I will be interested to see how many people turn up for these semi-finals. It'd be great if there was, you know, solid crowds at them. The Israel-England game is taking place in Batumi, which is in Georgia, and the Spain-Ukraine game will take place in Bucharest. These teams have already played each other. They were in the same groups. England were in the same group as Israel. England did beat them 2-0. Anthony Gordon and Emil Smith-Rowe with the goals in that one. And Spain and Ukraine played out a 2-2 draw in the final game of Group B. Ukraine went one up. Spain equalized with an own goal. Ukraine went 2-1 up. And then Spain got a late, late goal from Abel Ruiz to force the draw. Both teams had already qualified. It didn't really matter. So you'd wonder if you can take anything at all from that game. The England-Israel game is a bit more telling because it was the second game in the group. England had beaten the Czech Republic. Israel had drawn with Germany. So both teams were playing for the win and England were the better team on the day and got a pretty comfortable win. I would expect England will beat them again, but you just never know in a semi-final. Right, uh, we'll do the news next, uh, <clears throat> then we'll take a break. We're going to come back, go through the transfers that have been completed so far, and just sort of, you know, give them a bit of a rating or a bit of a, a bit of a review, and uh, then we'll have gossip, and that'll be us. There's not a whole lot of news uh, other than transfers, and we're going to wait on that. So let's just focus on this. Roy Hodgson has been confirmed as the new, well, the retained manager of Crystal Palace. Hodgson says he is targeting a top-half finish. Hmm, well, isn't that interesting? A top-half finish for Roy. I don't remember the last time Roy Hodgson finished in the top half. I would guess it was with Fulham. But... Other than that, I don't know that he's gotten many top half finishes in the Premier League. So let's have a wee look, shall we? Roy managed Blackburn in 97-98. Uh, let's have a look and see. Oh, they finished sixth that year. So there's one. And then he, he left the next year with the team having started disastrously and sailing towards relegation. He was allowed to resign before he was sacked and continued to claim he'd never been relegated before, despite the fact that that relegation was largely on him. Uh, so, yeah, he finished sixth in 97-98 with Blackburn. Uh, after that, Roy went to Inter Milan, Grasshopper Zurich, Copenhagen, Udinese, United Arab, United Arab Emirates, Viking, Finland, and then in 07 08, he rocked up at Fulham. And let's have a look. So he took over in December, 
They finished 17th. I think they were pretty much going down before he took over. So fair play on that one to Roy. They finished 7th in 08-09. And his final season was 09-10 where they finished 12th. So 08-09 they finished 7th. Um, the following year obviously they had their run in the Europa League. Okay. Uh, so after that Roy takes the Liverpool job. And uh, that obviously doesn't go very well at all. Uh, Roy was sacked by Liverpool after six months. And then he went to West Brom. Uh, West Brom. So he took over in the February. They finished 11th the following season. They finished 10th. So that would be, I think, Roy's last season as a top half finisher because following that job, he took the England job. Uh, then he went to Crystal Palace. I don't think he finished top half with them the first time around. Crystal Palace, 13. No, what year was that? It was 16, 17? 17, 18. 17... 18, finished 11th. That was the year he took over in September. Following season, he finished 12th. Following season, he finished 14th. And then they finished 14th again. And then he left. And then he took over as manager of Watford. Late in the season, they got relegated. It was a mistake. Everybody accepted it was a mistake. And then he took over at Crystal Palace last season. They finished in the bottom half. So in Roy's... Premier League career, uh, he has three top half finishes. A sixth, a seventh, and a tenth. And the last one was in 2012, before he got the England job. Hmm. I don't fancy their chances of a top half finish, if I'm being honest. Look, Roy Roy is a good manager. If you want to survive, Roy is the type of guy who keeps you in the division. If you want to do any more than that, Roy's not your guy. He's just not an ambitious enough manager for the Premier League level. And I don't know why, because if you look at his early career, Roy was a winner. But I wonder if a couple of big failures, like Inter the first time, like Blackburn, I wonder if those failures made him overly cautious. It also meant that he was never really going to get the top jobs again. I mean, the Liverpool job and the England job are top jobs, but look at how he managed both of those teams. He showed no ambition with either. With Liverpool, he announced that, having been comprehensively outplayed at Goodison Park, that it was one of the best performances under his tenure. And journalists were like, are you sure you want to say that, Roy? Because we have to put that in print if you're saying that. Because they were just in disbelief 
that Roy had suggested that Liverpool had played well. Um, he referred to lower league teams as formidable. Claimed that a home draw would have been utopia against a team that Liverpool should have been beating. And then he turned around and said, you know, if the great man Mourinho thinks Liverpool's a tough job, then shouldn't everybody else agree? Mourinho wanted Roy at Liverpool because Mourinho wanted Liverpool to fail. That Mourinho has never recovered from the fact that Liverpool didn't hire him in the summer of 2004 when he was blatantly and openly petitioning for the job. Liverpool decided that his personality, and I would imagine more his demanding nature, wasn't suited to what they wanted, so they appointed Rafa Benitez. And Mourinho went to Chelsea, and the rest is history. Since I started this podcast, it has started lashing rain, so if you can hear that in the background, that's what that is. There's nothing I can do about it, so I do apologise. I hope it goes away soon. Um... I had planned to mow the lawn later. That's not happening now. So that's good. That's a win for me, not having to mow the lawn of, of a Monday. Uh, but I'll probably have to mow it tomorrow. So, you know, it's a short, short-lived victory. Anyway, I can understand why Crystal Palace have done this. I just think it's a real shame that they've done this. Because since moving away from Roy, They've changed as a club. They've become more ambitious. The team has become far more watchable. They've completely changed their approach in the transfer market. You know, bringing in players like Michael Elise, Mark Gwehi, Odson Edward, young, exciting players, Adlar Nascimento, one to keep an eye on for in the upcoming season. He really could have a role to play at Palace this coming season. He's only 18. They nicked him from Peterborough like two years ago. It was 21-21. This kid, Peterborough, were devastated to lose him. Devastated. Because they thought they had a 10 to 15 million pound star there. And Crystal Palace thing paid 500 grand in compensation. Um, They brought in Conor Gallagher on loan that year. Under Patrick Vieira, the results weren't hugely improved at all. Obviously, they'd finished 14th, they finished 12th. But the style of football was a complete change around. They went from being, at times, unwatchable under Roy to quite an attractive team under Crystal Palace. Then, in this past season... They obviously go into the transfer window. They get Michael Abue, young, talented uh, right winger. They bring in Chris Richards, a young, talented defender. Check to Kure. They bring in Ahamada in the January. Again, this youth movement. Players with high upside that they can develop and sell. Roy is not a development manager. Roy doesn't make players better. Roy makes them safer. And probably hurts their long-term value. So are we going to go back to the same dull, boring Crystal Palace? I have a feeling we are. My prediction for Palace, somewhere between 12th and 14th, because that's what Roy does. 
that's what Roy does. Roy is a 45-point-a-season type of guy. And here's the thing. In the 11-12 season, when he finished 10th with West Brom, they had 47 points. They finished there based on goal difference ahead of Swansea and Norwich, newly promoted Swansea and Norwich. So it's not like they were particularly clear of the bottom half. They were basically in the bottom half, but slightly outside of it with their goal difference. They were five points behind Fulham and a dreadful, dreadful, dreadful Liverpool team. So I don't know that you'd put too much stock into that top half finish. I mean, Wigan finished 15th. They're only four points behind West Brom. Whereas Fulham, who were ninth, were five points clear. So it's a bit of a fake top half finish. Uh, that 0-9-10 season, when he finished there with Fulham, was obviously much more impressive. No, sorry, that was the 0-8-0-9 season. He got 46 points with Fulham in his last season. The 0-9-10 season is when he finished 7th. And they had 53 points. And they were eight points clear of the bottom half. Like That's a real top half finish. Not scraping in on goal difference. I'm not having that. Um, so that's two. And then the Blackburn year again. I think they finished, they finished six that year. That's a fairly comfortable top half finish. That's a European spot now. A major European spot. Europa League. Not Conference League as that seventh place would have been. So, you know, he's had two... Good Premier League seasons, really. One with Fulham and one with Blackburn. I I don't foresee a third. I really don't see that Roy will get a top half finish this year. Unless there's a bunch of teams bunched around, I don't see it. 58 points in 97-98. Six points clear of the top half. Of the bottom half, rather. Six points clear of the bottom half. Only one point off a fifth where Leeds finished. Arsenal won the league that year. It was their first league title under Wenger. They won the FA Cup that year as well. United finished second, a point behind. That was the start that was the start of something really special in the Premier League. With with Ferguson and Wenger and Keenan Vieira and all the rest. That was the start of it. Anyway, let's move on. We'll do a break. When we come back, we'll go through the Premier League signings that have been completed. There's a couple of decent moves that are, I think, about to be completed. Should be completed in the next couple of days. So we might touch on one or two of them. And then we'll have our gossip and that will be us. So I will see you after this. Right, welcome back. So let's go through the transfers that have taken place. We'll go alphabetically because that's how it's listed here in front of me. Arsenal have only made one signing so far. They've signed Kai Havertz from Chelsea for £65 million. Let's be fair. It's an overpay. He's a good player. 
potentially a very, very good player, but he has largely been a disappointment at Chelsea. He hasn't looked like he has a real position to call his own. He's not a nine. He's not a 10, really. He doesn't have the pace to play wide. Now, the reports and suggestions are that he's going to play the Granajaka role. And as I've been over before, he's a better player than Granajaka without question. But Granajaka is better defensively than Kai Havertz is. So you're talking about balance here. And with respect to Granajaka, he just had the best season of his career and was very productive for Arsenal last season. So is Kai Havertz going to immediately hit the ground and produce at the same level? I have doubts that he is. I have no doubts that he's capable of doing it in time. I think he could become a, you know, 12 goal, six, seven assists type of player in that position. But I don't think he's going to walk in day one and replace the nine goals and seven assists that Xhaka got last season while also doing the defensive work that Xhaka did last season. So while he's a better player, I don't know that it's an immediate upgrade. I think it might be, for the next season, a step backwards. And I spoke to a couple of Arsenal fans over the weekend, and they're adamant he can't play there. That what Xhaka was required to do, Kai can't replicate. I tend to disagree I think in I think on the ball he can replicate it I think the passing angles that Jacka creates I think Kai can do that he's a better passer than Jacka in terms of short range and one touch passing Jacka is a better long passer but I, I think it's a downgrade in the short term now we know with Arsenal there's two deals on the horizon they've got a fee agreed for Declan Rice They've got personal terms agreed. It's just about figuring out the payment structure. That does seem to be a bit of a sticking point, but I'm sure it'll probably get itself resolved in the next day or so. But again, it's a huge overpay. Declan Rice is not a £105 million footballer. He's a £50 to £60 million footballer. So it's a huge overpay. And it's also a bit of misprofiling. Declan Rice is a a good, potentially very good box-to-box player. He's not a six. And if you're going to ask him to be the six, you better have someone else in that midfield who can dig him out defensively. Arsenal won't have that if it's Martin Odegaard and Kai Havertz. So you're going to be putting more emphasis on Odegaard to do defensive work, something he was largely given a free pass on at times last season. And if he's having to do more defensively, is he then going to be capable of replicating what he did going forward? The answer is probably no. So I've had my doubts about this Arsenal team and whether there's enough goals there to win a league title. I think the moves they're making are going to hamper them going forward a little bit in the short term. Long term, I do think they'll improve. And obviously, look, Saka and Martinelli should take another step forward this coming season. They'll hope that Gabriel Jesus can avoid injury and maybe he kicks on in terms of goals. But Arsenal aren't going to be able to do what they did last year. Last year, they were able to play 
the same 11 game after game in the Premier League and play a reserve 11 in the Europa League. This season, their first choice players will have to play in the Champions League. So more scope for injuries, more need for rotation in the league. It's going to be tough. As for the Havertz deal, I think it's a C. I think it's a C because I don't think it's a great fit. And I think it's an overpay. So I'm going to go for a C. They got 4.4 million for selling Pablo Mari. I think they paid 9 million for him. So, you know, that's not great business either. And obviously Ainsley Maitland-Niles was released on a free. Uh, Aston Villa, they brought in Yuri Tielemans from Leicester City on a free transfer. I'd give that a solid B. I think Yuri Tielemans is a good player. He's a good age. I'd imagine the wages are significant, though. And he's coming off a very poor season. He has looked a little bit like he's running in treacle for the last two years. He was never quick to begin with. The last two years in particular, he's really struggled with any kind of burst. I'm really interested to see how they use him. I think that's going to be fascinating. Is he going to play in a double pivot with Kamara? If so, you're asking Kamara to do a lot defensively. But it will improve you on the ball. Uh, as yet, they haven't completed the deal for Pau Torres, but that one should get done this week. I think that's going to be a very good signing. And we'll talk about it more when it gets done. This, I'm giving a B. They've also released Ashley Young and Jed Steer, so we'll see what happens with them. For Bournemouth, uh, Justin Clivert from Roma, 11.2 million. I'm not a huge Clivert fan, but I think at that price, it's not a bad price. I think they needed another winger. Um, they have Oatara, they have uh, Tavernier. Now they have him. David Brooks is back as well. So they're pretty well stocked. I think it will allow Oatara to play more centrally as well, which is, I think, something they're looking at. So I'd probably give that one a B. The Hamad Traore deal I love. They got him in on January. Loan with an obligation to buy. The fee is twenty million. I think it's a really good fee. So I'm going to go for a B plus on that one. Um, Jefferson Zamora leaving on a free. Don't love that for them. Don't love that for them. Good ball winner. I think you're going to have to replace him. And Jordan Zamora leaving on a free to go to Udinese. I think that's a little bit of a blow. I was hoping they would get Matthias Vigne and keep him because they had the option to buy. As yet, they haven't picked that up. We'll wait and see. There hasn't really been anything said whether they plan to or not. It, it's possible that Lloyd Kelly will play left back because they've got Sinisi and they've got Zarbarni. So maybe the plan is Lloyd Kelly plays left back, but we'll have to wait and see. As things stand, though, I like the incomings largely because of Traore. I'm, I'm very high on Traore. Uh, we'll see what happens with Clivert. The talent is there. When he came through at Ajax, I mean, most people saw that hat-trick he scored as a kid. He's pretty sensational. Just hasn't kicked on yet. Hasn't kicked on. He said, he said a couple of different spells, a couple of different loans, and none of it's really worked. Sort of forced his way out of Ajax. That wasn't the right decision. Had a loan at Leipzig, wasn't great. A loan at Nice was okay. 
Valencia, nobody could have done well in last season, but he did all right. But they were a mess. But the fact that he went to Roma five years ago and spent three years on loan, not a great sign. Still only 24, though, so still time for him. Another one of those young Ajax players that just promised a lot and ultimately didn't deliver. This is probably his last chance to deliver. Moving on, Brentford. Mark Flecken brought in from Freiburg. I'm not hugely fond of this deal. Now, look, I like the player. I do like Mark Flecken as a keeper. I think he's decent. I don't think he's as good as David Rea. And I'm not a huge David Rea fan. Like I I wouldn't have been in favour of a club spending forty million on David Rea personally. My unease with this move, I suppose, is the best word, is that he just he doesn't really fit the Brighton or sorry, the Brentford uh, mandate of buy to develop and sell. I thought they could have gone a different direction with this, but he is a good goalkeeper. We'll go B minus. Kevin Shade, I do like. I think that's a big play on talent. Obviously, the deal was done in January. It was a loan with an obligation. Twenty-two million is a big price, but I think the talent is is very very high with him. Pontus Janssen has left in a free. That's fine. It was the right time for Pontus Janssen to move on. Now to Brighton. I think they're having a really good summer. So they sold Alexis McAllister. So that's obviously a huge blow. He was one of their best players. Thirty-five million is quite low, but that's what they agreed. They stuck to their word, and I think, I think they'll be okay because I think they're really smart in how they go about their business. I love the signing of Mo Dehoud on a free. He hasn't had the best of times at Dortmund, but there's been runs of form that have been really impressive. What he showed at Gladbach was really, really promising. He hasn't gotten back to that level yet. But I wonder if this team, with this coach, and this league in particular, might suit him. I'm going to go B-plus on that one. João Pedro, I think, is a brilliant signing. 30 million, hugely talented, young, can play 9 or 10, so can play with Ferguson, can play with Enciso, could play with both of them. I think it's a great signing. I'm going to go for an A on João Pedro. James Milner is a C because you're bringing him in for culture more than what he can do on the pitch. They've today confirmed the signing of Bart Verbruggen from Anderlecht. I think he's one of the best young goalkeepers anywhere in the world, probably the best in Europe right now. I'm giving that one an A. And apparently they're in talks for Calvin Bassey as well. We'll wait and see what happens with that one. But obviously they are looking for a left-footed centre-back. But we can't judge a deal until it's done. João Pedro's an A. Verbruggen is an A. I think De Hood's a really good signing. I wouldn't have done the Milner signing. I, I don't really see the purpose of it. But look, it is what it is. Uh, moving on to Burnley. Dara O'Shea for $7 million, I think is good business. He's a proven quantity. He's done it in the Premier League. You know what you're getting from Dara O'Shea. He's 7 out of 10 most weeks. can play centre-back, can play full-back. He's a leader. He's an organiser. I think it's a very solid B-plus on that one. Jordan Bayer, I'm really interested in. He was very, very important for Burnley last season. 15 million is 
quite a big figure, though. But they're sold on him. I know other people that are sold on him as well. So we'll we'll give it the benefit of the doubt and we'll go B. But 15 million is a little bit it's a little bit high. Not not overly high, but a little bit high. Um they brought in Michael Obafemi. I'd give that one a C personally. I'm not sure he's a Premier League caliber player. And uh, they've lost Ashley Barnes and Will Norris and Matthew Loughton. So, you know, Barnes and Loughton have been there a long time. But their time at the club had come to an end. So it's the right move. It's the right move to let them both go. Uh, Chelsea then. We have Nicholas Jackson, 32 million. It's not a bad price. My question here is, is he really good enough for Chelsea as a starting caliber player? Or is he just another one coming in for the squad? Because let's not forget, he would be a Bournemouth player now if it wasn't for a failed medical. Southampton were going to buy him in January as well. But he failed the medical at at Bournemouth and then that just disappeared. He had a really good run of form in the back half of the season. But he'd never shown that level of goal scoring ability before. So was that a hot streak or was that a sign of things to come? I like the player. I like the price. I don't know that he's Chelsea standard as, as we speak. But we'll wait and see. We'll give it a B. And Kunku's an A. 52, 54 million for a player of that quality. It's an A. Um, Alex Matos, Diego Morero, don't know anything about them. Young players, same with Dujon Richards. No idea. No idea. Um, Chelsea are getting an A for their sales, though. This is unbelievable. 65 for Havertz. 60 for Mount. 14 for Loftus-Cheek. I think that's really good business for Chelsea. Koulibaly will pinch. That's half what they spent on him. That's a pinch, but, you know, it is what it is. 25 million for Kovacic. I'd rather kept the player, but he wanted to leave. 16 million for Mendy is fair business. Uh, Dujon Sterling, Xavier Simmons, they leave on freeze. Uh, Baba Rachman, his contract was finally terminated, and he's moved on uh, about time. And Angolo Kante leaving. But Chelsea's done really well with their sales this summer. Looks like Christian Pulisic might also be away. Leon looking the most likely team to get him. Uh, Crystal Palace getting Jefferson Lerma on a free. That's a solid B+. Plus. Solid B+. Plus. Good business. Um, James McArthur and Luka Milivojevic both leaving on a free. It, it's a loss of leadership, but they weren't contributing anything on the pitch. So... Fair is fair. And Jack Butland away to Rangers. Um, I think it just didn't work. It just didn't work with Jack Butland at Palace for whatever reason. So away he goes to a new new start. Everton haven't signed anybody yet. I'd be starting to get a little bit concerned if I was an Everton fan. Um, but they have sold players. They got two point sorry, they got one point seven five million for Niels and Kunku. I think that's a brainless move. I think he's a left back they should have kept. They did get $26 million from Moise Keane. Now, they lost money on him, but he was just flat out a disaster while he was there. It's a shame, because I do think Moise Keane was very, very promising before Everton went and ruined him. Um, don't love losing Yerry Mina on a free. Don't love that at all. Getting rid of Begovic and Andros Townsend is, is, is clever, because you clear out the wages. 
Um, so yeah, if I was an Everton fan though, I'd, I'd be starting to get a little bit concerned because there's not a whole lot of good links going around either. They're not being linked with anybody that you'd look at and say, oh, he would really improve that team. It's a couple of like fringe players that are being linked and none of it's hugely promising. Um, Fulham haven't signed anybody, but they let Gassaniga go on a free. They let Shane Duffy go on a free. Joe Bryan and Stephen Sessegnon were both released. Sessegnon, I'd be curious to see where he ends up. Because there's a very talented young player there, and he's very versatile. I think he can do a job for a, a decent championship club as a utility player. Um, I think Liverpool, I'm, I know I'm biased. I know I'm biased. But Zabozla is an A and McAllister's an A. McAllister's an A plus because of the price. These are great signings. They really are. They fill needs. They raise the, 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 the ceiling of the team. These are these are genuinely outstanding players. Uh, Firmino leaves in a free. Milner leaves in a free. Keita leaves in a free. That one stings because of the price. Ox leaves in a free. Again, that one stings because of the price. But the incomings, they're doing great business. And there's, there's more to come. There's at least, I think, at least three more signings to come. I think there's two more in midfield and one more and one in defence. And then maybe a backup keeper if Cueving Kelleher moves on, but that will be dependent on if Cueving Kelleher moves on. But I'm I'm very, very impressed by the business thus far. Um Luton have signed Chidozi Ogbena. I'm not sure he's a Premier League player. I'm gonna give that one a C. I love the hustle and bustle and the way he goes about it. But I think it's a C. Henri Lansborough, Harry Estead, and Sonny Bradley leaving on a free. Um, the right move because they weren't going to play in the Premier League. Henri Lansborough is one of the players that's disappointed me most over the last 15 years. He's had a good career. Don't get me wrong. He's been an excellent championship level player. But he should have been a long-time Premier League starter. When he came through at Arsenal, he was so promising. And I I don't know what it was, but he never made the grade at the Premier League level. Solid, solid, really, really good championship player. Really reliable. A solid 7 out of 10 pretty much every game. Good on the ball, a leader, an organiser, good in the tackle, could get you a goal. But it just never it never really worked out for him the way it should have. Had some injuries. He was so promising at underage level. But it just didn't work. Him and Jack Grealish, they were they were to be the two. And neither or not Jack Grealish, Jack Wilshire. And it never really worked for either of them. Um Man City, Kovacic is an A. That is an A signing, without question. Uh, losing Gundogan is a big blow, though. Like, it is a big blow. Even though Kovacic can replace him on the pitch, he doesn't have that clutch gene that Gundogan has. Uh, unsurprisingly, but very quietly, very quietly, and I wonder why, uh, Benjamin Mendy's contract it was allowed to expire, and he's left the club. I wonder why that was. Um, 
United haven't signed anybody yet. The Mount deal is done, but it's just waiting on the medical. I think that's today. Um, we might as well talk about the Mount deal. I think it's a, a big overpay and a bad fit. I think it's a C. I'm not... I I really like Mason Mount as a player, but I just don't see the logic in United spending £60 million on him. Like, where is he playing? He's not playing in a double pivot next to Casemiro. And if he is, it is not going to be pretty. He has no experience in that role at all, ever. He's a 10 who's played most of his Premier League football on the left wing. You've got Bruno and you've got Rashford. Is he cover for them? Fair enough. What happens to Sancho then? What happens to Garnacho? Do they get shoved to one side? He's played a little bit on the right. They spent 80 odd million on Anthony last year. I I don't understand the logic behind the Mason Mount deal. I really don't understand it. People have said oh, he'll replace Ericsson. He's a totally different type of player. He's a totally different type of player than Christian Eriksen. Mason Mount's best work is done off the ball. Timing his runs, taking up good positions, pressing. Eriksen's best work is on the ball. His ability to control the tempo of a game. His ability to break lines with his passing. Mason Mount doesn't do that. He's shown no aptitude to do it either. I don't like that deal. Zidane Iqbal has left the club. He has gone to FC Utrecht. He's another one that was very, very promising and highly touted a couple of years ago. Ethan Galbraith being released is a bit of a surprise to me because, again, he's another very promising young player who was very highly thought of by a lot of United fans. 22 years of age, now he moves on. I have no doubt that he'll he'll end up having a decent career. He signed for Leighton Orient, uh, who'll be in League One this coming season. So um, I'm confident he'll end up, at the very worst, a good championship player. But I'm, it's it just goes to show how poorly United have developed these young players. Because when he was 18, he was nearly a nailed-on first-teamer. Like, future first-teamer. Hasn't worked. Uh, Phil Jones leaving. I, I want to talk about Phil Jones later in the week. And David De Gea leaving. Um, really curious to see where he ends up. That's one of the most fascinating free agents now on the market. Where does he end up? Because he's not your modern goalkeeper. He's your old-style goalkeeper. Not not a huge amount of clubs are playing with that type of keeper anymore. So I'll be really interested to see where David De Gea goes. I, I'd love him to just do something mad like go and play in South America. Just go and play in Brazil for a couple of years. Just do something different and, and develop that side of your game. Why not? What have you got to lose? What is he, 32? I think he's 32. Yeah. Why not? Go and live in Brazil for two years. Come back to Europe then and see what you can do. You'll only be 34. And you're a big keeper. So you could play till you're 37, 38. No problem. Uh, Newcastle. Sandro Tonali has been confirmed today. 55 million plus some add-ons. It's an overpay, but he's a very good player. And the more I think about it, because him and Gamerish does, does quite a bit of overlap. 
But I do think the pair of them will work in a three. As long as you put a dynamic runner in with them, like Joe Willock, for example. Ideally, in the long term, you're going to upgrade on Willock. But for now, Joe Willock is there, and he's a good fit with them. Sandra Tanali's really good in the ball. He's a good tackler. He's great positionally. Really intelligent player. Good leader. Good organizer. I like the deal. I do. I like the deal. I'm going to go B plus on the deal. I just think because it's a, it's an overpay, I can't give it an A, but I do like the deal for them. Uh, Yankubu Minta, the Gambian forward from Odense. Never heard of him. Don't know anything about him. I know he's meant to be promising, but that's about it. Uh, so we'll give it a C and we'll wait, and, and as in we'll wait and see. Um, they sold Chris Wood. They've loaned Minta to Feyenoord, which is a great place for him to go and develop. Matty Longstaff leaving on a free is, is disappointing. Um, everyone remembers when he broke onto the scene and kind of made a bit of noise. I'm sure he'll go on and have a decent career. He's only 23. But he wasn't well developed there at all. I, I think he, he did lack certain aspects that were required. Uh, he wasn't exactly a standout player with either Mansfield or Colchester. So maybe... Maybe League Two is, is his level for now. Maybe League Two is his level for now. Um, and then he can work his way up through the through the divisions. Kieran Clark also left on a free. Um, Nottingham Forest, Chris Wood on a permanent deal for 15 million. I'm giving that a D. Don't like it at all. Don't know why you did it. What is the point? What is the point? Genuine. What is the point? You've got a one E. You're in talks now to buy Ianacho for about eight million, which that will be an A. Ianacho for eight million is an A. This I, I don't understand it. You didn't have to do this. You didn't need him in the first place. I don't know what you thought he was going to bring in when you did the deals for him and Shelby. Awful business. Uh Jack Callback has left the club on a free, as have Jesse Lingard, Andre Onana, Cafu, and a bunch of other players that were either out on loan last season or, or just younger players. Um, not loving Forest business so far, have to say, but I'm, I'm sure it will improve. Uh, Sheffield United haven't signed anybody. Enda Stevens, Billy Sharp, Jack O'Connell, and Kyron Gordon have all left the club on freeze. Spurs, <coughs> James Madison for forty million. That's an A. James Madison, 40 million is an A. Uh, Pedro Poro arrived in January in a loan with an obligation to buy. 39 million is pricey, but I really like the player. I'll go a B plus. Vicario for 17 million is good value. That's a B. Kulisevsky for 25 is an A. Undeniably an A. That is a great price for a really, really good player. So I like what they're doing so far. Uh, Winks for 10 million to Leicester. I, I imagine, because Leicester, remember, if you, if you remember, wanted like 60 million for Madison. And I'm sure Spurs would have liked a bit more for Winks. So I'm guessing they said, look, do us a deal. Will you do, do you a deal on Winks? And we can all be happy and just move on with our lives. Uh, Lucas Mora has also left the club on a free. Um, Spurs have started the summer looking like they, they have a plan, which is unusual for Spurs. 
because they've kind of been flying by the seat of their arse for the last five years, four years, since the Champions League final, four years. Now with Ange, they've got a real manager. Now they had Conte, who was a great manager, but he was never really happy there. Ange seems happy to be there. And I think he's a real manager who's got a real plan and a defined way of playing, and he knows the type of players he wants. And he's very good at letting his recruitment team know the profiles he wants. So, yeah, <clears throat> like what they're doing so far. I should have mentioned on Brentford, it looks like Nathan Collins will be done soon for $23 million. I do like that deal for them. I love that deal for him. Um, West Ham have not signed anybody yet. They've sold Arthur Masuaku to Besiktas for $1.75 million. That's fair. He wasn't wasn't a contributing player there anyway. Uh, Lanzini leaving on a free. It's about time. He should have been gone two years ago. At least he gets to leave with a medal in his pocket. I'll, I'll look forward to seeing what he does next. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes home and plays in Argentina. He's 30 now. He's, you know, he left home early. Was at River Plate's academy. Had a loan at Fluminense when he was... 18, for some reason they didn't buy him because he did well there. Backed River, did well there. Then he got bought by a club in Abu Dhabi who were willing to pay a big price for him. And then he went to to West Ham. Like He hasn't been playing in Argentina since he was 21. And before that, he'd spent a year on loan. So wouldn't surprise me if he goes home. Um, Wouldn't surprise me if he goes back to River. You know, they do like to take back in their they're former academy players, and he, he is a very good player if he can stay fit. That's always been the issue with him. Can he stay fit? It cut short his international career as well. I think he got four caps, five caps. Uh, should have been more because there was a spell where he was really, really good. But injuries just sort of torpedoed that for him. Uh, last but not least then is Wolves. So... Bubakar Traore, they've made that deal permanent. They had him last season on loan. He showed plenty of promise. 9.5 million is a really good price. That's an A. That's an A for me. I think he's a really promising midfielder. I think that price is a bargain. Uh, they sold Ruben Neves. They got 55 million for Neves with one year left in his deal. That is a great price. It's such a shame to see him depart the league. It's a shame to see him, you know, going to Saudi rather than staying in Europe where we'd see him in the Champions League. But from Wolves' point of view, that's a great deal. Um, Jung Sang Bin, he's gone to Minnesota United for 2 million and Connor Cody to Leicester for 7.5 million. Uh, unless Leicester are planning a back three next year, I don't like that one. Don't like that one at all. Adama Traore is left, Jean is left, and Diego Costa is left. Would expect to see all of them in Saudi Arabia next season. Uh, that, would, that would be my guess. And yeah, that's what we've got. I missed one. Manor Solomon. Spurs have reached an agreement to sign Manor Solomon from Shakhtar Donetsk. And I believe they're actually dealing with Shakhtar on this so that everybody, everybody is happy. Everybody is made whole. He's due to have a medical this week. So my guess is they'll sign him on a free and then very quick, quietly settle on some sort of figure with Shakhtar, maybe like, I don't know, 10 million, 5 million, whatever it is. I think that's what will happen. 
Um, he's a good player. He is a good player. And if if you're keeping your attack as is, you've now got Kulisevsky and Hill for the right, Son and Solomon for the left, and Kane and Richarlison through the middle. That's pretty much boxed off. You're going to be pretty happy with that. Then in midfield, got Madison, Basuma, and Benton Core, I assume, is the three. And Papa Matarasar. Heusberg and Skip maybe is the backup three. You're kind of lacking that backup from Madison. So I wouldn't be surprised if they went and signed maybe a young attacking midfielder. So they do have some young attacking midfielders. I think Harvey White could be maybe maybe developed that way. Um, right back, you've got Poro and Spence. Left back, you've got a Doji and Sessegnon. Centre back, you've got Romero. You've got a big need for a partner for him. I think you need one more for a bit of depth, and then you've got Roden and you've got Tanganga. I think that's a strong set. Got your new keeper in. I'd probably look for a better backup than Fraser Forster if it was me, but you know, can't get everything done in one summer. Um, let's hit the gossip then and get done for the day. So we'll start with Saturdays. Luis Enrique will be bidding for Bernardo Silva as a priority once he takes over as manager of PSG. Interesting. The former Spain boss also wants to sign João Felix. Um, that would be a deal that would make sense. That's a move that would make sense for all parties. Atleti would get a good fee. PSG would get a very good young player, still only 23, who fits. And for Felix, it's a, it's a new fresh start at a good club. Well, a big club. With a you know decent manager, good players around you, I can see that one working. Ah, uh, this is great. Arsenal are weighing up a move for twenty-four-year-old PSG forward Kylian Mbappe. This is an exclusive from Steve K. Imagine, imagine the brass neck you would need to have to ring your editor and say, "I've got an exclusive." I'm submitting it now. You're going to like this one. And it's Arsenal considering killing Mbappe move. I can only assume Steve K owns footballtransfers.com because why else would anyone employ him? He is the spoof to the spoof. Unbelievable levels of bullshit. <laughs> I don't even need to tell you there. It was necessary. Manchester United are targeting... Porto's Iran striker made it to Ramey. I like Ramey. And if you're signing Hoysland from Atalanta, which United are apparently trying to do, Ramey is an experienced option. That kind of does make sense. Chelsea have agreed to let Cesar Aspiricueta join Atletico Madrid on a free transfer. That makes more sense than the Inter Milan move. Uh, Chelsea are approaching an agreement with Inter Milan over a permanent move for Romelu Lukaku. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows that's the move that he wants us to move. Inter wants to move. Chelsea wants. It's just a bit of a dance, really, isn't it? West Ham are hoping to agree payment terms with Arsenal over Declan Rice, yada, yada. Roma coach Jose Mourinho wants to sign Fred for Manchester United. He signed him once before, so, you know, he's obviously keen on the player. Chelsea's Christian Pulisic has an agreement in principle to join AC Milan but they're yet to reach a transfer fee. David Ornstein has reported since that 
Uh, th- that was from ESPN. Ornstein has reported since that Leon have agreed on a fee, and now it's about sell-on clauses and add-ons and things like that. So, yeah, that looks like where he'll go. Uh, Hakim Zayic's proposed move to Al-Nazir is off because he failed a medical. Apparently, he's got a bum knee. Zayic was made a new offer with the basic wage reduced by 40%, but has turned it down. Chelsea will step up their efforts to sign Moises Caicedo and hope a fee of around 80 million can be agreed. I don't think they'll take 80. I, I actually would be as surprised at this point if they settled for 80. Given the inferior Declan Rice has gone for 105, I think they'll point and say, look, four years, three, three years younger, significantly better, more versatile because he's great as a six and an eight. And if that's that price and you paid 100 million for Enzo, well, pony up and Chelsea will do it. Uh, Manchester United will have to sell before they can make a move for Andre Onana. That's not a promising sign, given the new player in the door is Mount. United have asked David De Gea, whose contract at Old Trafford has expired, not to join another club in case they cannot. I don't. I don't believe that. I don't believe that's true. United are open to signing De Gea to a new deal if they cannot sign a new keeper or having Dean Henderson start the season as number one. Hell. Dean Henderson, step on down. Uh, Fulham won sixty million for Joe Polinia. Uh, that's that's an overpay. That's pricey. That's pricey. Uh, Manchester United will have sixty five million remaining to buy a new striker once they complete the signing of Mason Mount, which will explain why they can't afford a goalkeeper if they're. Pro- but like the thing is. They actively now need a goalkeeper because De Gea's gone. Although they could just use Dean Henderson. But up front, they've at least got, you know, Martial and Rashford. They've at least got players who, who they've used before. Bayer Leverkusen might have to improve their offer to Arsenal if they're to complete the signing of Granit Xhaka. This is Arsenal trying to play hardball now because they had already agreed a fee. But now Arsenal have overpaid on each of the three signings that they're trying to make, Havertz, Rice, and Timber, and they've paid more than they actually planned to spend, and now they need to start scraping money back in somehow. Uh, Angelo Gabriel, the Brazilian Ford, has agreed to join Chelsea and has had the first part of his medical. Uh, Chelsea have offered Levi Colwell a new contract. I believe he's turned that down. Armando Broya has left fans concerned about his future with a cryptic Instagram post following the club's signing of Nicholas Jackson. I'll see if I can see what the Instagram post was. Armando Broya official, is that him? No, I don't think it is. That's that's probably not it. This is it. It's just Armando Broya. Armando Doc Broya. Uh... He has removed it, it would seem. Unless he had it on his story and I can't see it. Um, Mark Cucurella's agent has dismissed a report that Chelsea have offered him to Atletico Madrid as fake news. Willian has rejected Fulham's offer of a one-year contract extension as he is actively pursuing other Premier League options. Uh, Fulham, Fulham can't really afford to lose him having lost Solomon. 
Fulham's English defender Tosin Adebayero is high on Tottenham's list of potential Premier League uh, potential centre back signings. He's not a starter for a big six team or a top six team. He just isn't. But he's a good centre back, and he'd be a clever signing for them as that third centre back. So if you've got him and Roden as the backups behind, let's say Romero and Top Sapa, that's pretty strong. Plus then Tanganga as the utility defender, who can also do a shift at right back if you want to be a bit more defensive there in a certain game. So, yeah, I could see that being a, a signing that makes sense for, for him and for and for Spurs. Um, Zach Steffen will leave Man City this summer with Leicester showing interest. Zach Steffen, Danny Ward and Daniel Everson. That is some mid-table mediocrity right there. And I mean championship mid-table mediocrity. I don't mean no Premier League mid-table mediocrity. That's relegation stuff in the Premier League. Uh, Milan Skriniar is set to join Paris Saint-Germain on a free. We've known that since January. Real Madrid are vying to sign Dusan Vlahovic from Juventus on a one-year loan. I really don't think Juventus will be in favour of that. Um, Moving on, Manchester United's bid for Rasmus Hoysland has been rejected. It was a bid of £30 which was probably laughed at. Inter Milan chief executive Beppe Morata has confirmed Manchester United's interest in signing Andre Onana. But yet he said nothing about whether they'd be willing to sell him or not. He just seemed to be stringing them along. Al-Nazir are considering bringing in David De Gea. It makes sense, I suppose, for the money. He, he, if he wants to go and earn, he's already earned an absolute ton of money. 375 grand for the last four years or something like that. So he doesn't need the money, but you know, if someone offers him, I don't know, 25, 30 million a year, might as well take it. No one else is going to pay it to you. United are also interested in Justin Bijlau as a backup. I hope that's a backup goalkeeper, not a backup plan. Because he's not good enough to start for United. He's decent. He's not good enough to start for a team with real ambition in the Premier League. I don't believe anyway. Roma are interested in signing Mason Greenwood on loan. God, I hope not. I really, I would lose all respect for Jose Mourinho if he signed Mason Greenwood on loan. All respect. United have rejected a bid from Borussia Dortmund to take Jadon Sancho back on loan. I heard of that one again. I don't know if it's true or not. I saw some United fans talking about it. They seemed to think it was true. Uh, Newcastle's deal to sign Sandro Tonali is set to go through. Uh, Real Madrid hoped to rival Barcelona in a bid to sign Arda Guler. Young Turkish uh, attacking midfielder has a 15 million release clause. West Ham have removed Declan Rice as an option fans can personalise their replica shirt with. That makes sense. Okay. Chelsea defender Levi Colwell is expected to play a key role under new manager Maurizio Pochettino. Expected by who? Fulham are keen on signing Yunus Musa. That would be a really good signing for Fulham. Really, really good signing for Fulham. Former Spain midfielder Juan Mata has announced he is leaving Galatasaray. My guess is he ends up in Saudi. Um, Ajax and Netherlands defender Julian Timber will complete a £45 million bid, £45 million move to Arsenal this season Arsenal are keen to complete four deals in the next week the signings of Timber and Rice and new contracts for Saliba and Nelson they're both agreed and they're both outrageous but <clears throat> you know it is what it is uh, Kai Havertz will become has become Arsenal's highest paid player on 
17 million a year, that's 340 grand a year, a week. 240 grand a week for Kai Havertz. Arsenal, what are you doing? That's horrendous. 340 grand a week for Kai Havertz. You paid 65 million for him. You're going to play him in a position he doesn't, he doesn't know how to play. Jesus wept. Oh dear. Oh dear. I, I, I think I might need to go lie down after this one. Um, <laughs> anyway, West Ham are among a number of clubs looking at highly regarded winger Dario Osorio, who plays in South America for Universidad de Chile. He plays in Chile for Universidad de Chile, not in South America. But it is South America. But, you know, you, know, you might as well be specific about these things. England midfi- English midfielder Danny Drinkwater says he would like to rejoin Leicester. I think Leicester might have something to say about that. Uh, it is unlikely that Marcel Sabitzer or Wout Weghorst will move to United. Apparently. I think it was unlikely the day they signed Weghorst. Coventry won twenty million for Victor Jokerez, Jokerez with Serie A club Atalanta interested. If they sell Hoysland, Jokerez makes so much sense for them. So that would be a very sensible transfer. And finally. RB Leipzig and Croatia defender Josko Gvardiol is close to a record £86 million move to Manchester City. He's really good. Really, really, really good. £86 million is steep, though. But I wouldn't I wouldn't have a bad word to say about that move. Uh, Kylian Mbappe wants a package of at least £206 million to join any club. What, what does that mean? £206 million a year? 206 million over three years, over two years, over four years, over five years, over 10 years. What does it mean? What does it mean? Marco Silva has turned down a 17 million contract offer from the Saudi Pro League. Fair play to Newcastle are interested in both Conor Gallagher and Calvin Phillips, but a move for Tino Livermento has reached a stalemate because of the Southampton were asking for 50 million for Tino Livermento. I love Tino Livermento. He's a 25 million fullback and not a single penny more. Like, the max he's going to be worth in the next two years is 25 million. That's coming back off an ACL tear and trying to reestablish himself. He'd be going to Newcastle as a backup, 50 million. Calvin Phillips would be a horrible fit with Tonali and Gamerish. Gallagher would be a good fit, but he lacks the technical ability. But. Having Tonali and Gamerish means he doesn't have to touch the ball. He can just play off the ball, get into the box and get on the end of things. So that could make sense. But allegedly Newcastle are trying to do loans for those players because Tonali's eaten up so much of the budget. Americ Laporte is attracting interest from Arsenal and Juventus. If I'm Arsenal and Zepep rings me and says, would you like Americ Laporte? I'm hanging up the phone because it's getting a bit strange now. Um... Manchester City are keen to keep Kyle Walker. I, I I don't think Bayern ever had any interest. I think this is Kyle Walker's agent uh, trying to get his player a new contract because at 33, City don't want to give him a new deal, but they want to keep him for, ne- for next season. So I think they're going to have to give him a new deal, maybe an extra year to keep him from just for next season. And then maybe in 12 months, they'll let him go. Leon have made an offer worth 25 million euro for Christian Pulisic. Massive loss on what they paid for him, but Better to get money in now than lose them for free in the summer. Uh, (laughs) AC Milan offered 12 million. So that one wasn't happening. Uh, Cesar Aspilicueta will join Atletico Madrid. Brentford have agreed a club record fee of 23 million pounds 
to sign Nathan Collins from Wolves. Love that deal for him and for them. Serie A champions Napoli have had a bid of €35 million rejected by Wolves for Max Kilman. €35 million is a fair price for Max Kilman, to be fair. I'm guessing Wolves, with selling Collins, don't want to sell both of them. But we'll see what happens. Uh, Manor Solomon to Spurs. Leeds have made a formal approach for Tyler Adams. That would be a good signing. Absolutely a good signing. Everton are believed to have offered either Ellis Sims or Neil Mopé in exchange for Blackburn's 25-year-old English defender, Scott Wharton. Um, that wouldn't be... Uh, really? He's, I mean, he's a good defender at the championship level. Would be an odd signing at the Premier League level. His brother's the real talent in that family. Now, he, like I said, Scott's a good defender in the championship. Adam Wharton looks like he could play in the Premier League and be a very good player. But uh, Neil Mopay, you paid £15 million for him. You're just going to carve him up like that. You sell him and get some money in. Uh, Lutner and talks to sign Heath Chong from Birmingham. He's a good player. Um, Jesse Lingard is training with Inter Miami following Wayne Rooney denying that the England International will join DC United. I think Rooney's probably seen Jesse Lingard up close and personal and thought, I don't want him around my club. Uh, former Paris Saint-Germain, Juventus and Italy goalkeeper, Gianluigi Buffon, has been offered a £25 million a year deal to move to the Saudi Pro League. He's 45 years of age. 25 million. He should be running to Saudi. Get two years out of them. Fifty million at forty-five. Oh, I want <laughs> that's mental. Oh my days! I, I my guess is he'll turn it down and stay at Parma because he's made enough money. He's been playing since the nineties. Gigi Buffon has been playing professionally since the nineties. He doesn't need any more money. He's got all the cash he needs. He made his debut in nineteen ninety-five. He doesn't need any more money. Oh, my days. He doesn't need any more money. He can just stay where he is. What are the chances he plays until 2025? He'd have a 30-year career. Imagine. Now, I know Stanley Matthews and people did that, like, in the 40s and 50s. But, like, Gigi Buffon doing that now would just be unbelievable. Uh, Sergio Ramos has been identified as the next target for Inter Miami with the MLS club keen on the former Real Madrid and Paris Saint-Germain centre-back um, he'll go wherever there's the money the money is on the table as simple as that right an hour and 15 I've gotten to today so I think that's a fair effort given there wasn't really a whole lot to talk about so I will see you all tomorrow where hopefully we'll have some new transfers and the like to talk about and you know maybe something else fun will happen Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye.
Social Podcast Network.